Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. I don't know what caused them to become so casual about things, but there is a great danger in treating the Spirit of God lightly. There's a great danger when the church begins to carry the weight of God and look at it as a burdensome thing. There is a danger when we as children of God don't want to feel the weight of the Spirit of God anymore. And so we decide we can get it where it needs to go, but we don't have to feel the weight of the burden of carrying it anymore. Well, it just won't work that way, my friend. If the Spirit of God is going to be in your home, you're going to have to feel the weight that comes with carrying the burden that goes along with the Spirit of God that dwells in the ark. While you're turning uh, and getting the scripture together in your Bible, I hope you'll forgive me. Um, I have a, a chair behind me, one of these chairs that we teach off on Wednesday nights. I'm still struggling uh, with the back, with standing for very long, and uh, so I need a little help. I may have to sit down, I may not, but uh, I've got, got to kind of propping up this right side here. <laughs> hey, you do what you got to do, right? Amen. We're not quitters. We're going to do what we got to do. And uh, for the Lord's work to continue on, I told Brother Jones, I said, I, f- I felt like I, uh, like a flamingo up here in that last message. Stood on one leg the whole time I preached. I preached the entire message on one leg. But if you'll bear with me, I will do my very best to deliver to you what I feel like the Lord has given to me today. You've probably got the scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 6. Um, I want to ask you a question before I read the scripture text for you today because this particular text uh, has always kind of befuddled me and I I wonder if there's anybody else here who's maybe ever been reading the Bible and you've read a certain scripture or certain chapter and you see that God handled a situation a certain way and and uh, you've had to sit back and just ask yourself you know maybe even whispered the words God, that just doesn't seem very fair in my book. And this is one of those days, this is one of those stories. Or maybe you just had, you know, your life was going along smooth and you were serving God and, you know, you're a good husband, a good wife, good parents, and good worker at the job and bills are all paid and you've been doing your dead level best to do everything that you know to do to serve the Lord and then all of a sudden something happens that just pulls a rug right out from underneath you and you have to ask God maybe I'm the only one but God how can this be fair how can this be fair I'm one of your children how can this be right how can this answer lack of an answer be justified Matthew tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust But there have been times in my life where I've felt, probably as most of you, that while it was raining on your neighbor, you were getting a lightning storm. (laughs) No, the thunder was rolling in. Your storm had a tornado or two that crossed paths with you. And you look up at God and you just have to question, what's the purpose? I don't understand. David, the Bible says, again gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. It wasn't just a handful, it was 30,000 chosen men of Israel. David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart. Everybody say a new cart. A new cart. They put the ark in a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah and Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, 
drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments, made of fir wood, even on harps and psalteries and timbrels and cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen shook it, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. I've read this and read this and read this and read this over and over and over again in my lifetime. And I have always had the question in my mind, God, I know you're a fair and a just God, there has to be more to this story how could you how could you fault a man who was just trying to steady the ark trying to keep it from falling or flipping or turning he just reached out and touched it not out of disrespect per se but out of caution how how could you strike him dead with the help of the Lord today I want to try to relate this message to you and give you the reason why God did what he did in this story. I just titled the message, The Weight of the Spirit. The Weight of the Spirit. You may be seated today. God bless you. This text, chapter 6, starts out as a celebration. It was going to be a great day for Israel to have the ark of God back inside the capital city. It had been gone for far too long, for it had been stolen away by the Philistine nation years before and taken out of Israel's uh, their, its protection, taken out of their area. Things were going great for Israel on this particular day. David was having the time of his life. He was the king now who resided in Jerusalem. It was going to be a great day for him as king. It was going to be a great day for Jerusalem. It was going to be a great day for the people of Israel. And things seemed to be going surprisingly well. David seemed, if you read his backstory a little bit, to be the unstoppable king, the king that could do no wrong, the king that God smiled upon and showed favor to. David was doing a great time as king of Israel. He had spent his first seven years as king in Hebron, but now he had taken it back over Jerusalem and he had set up Jerusalem as the capital city for the nation of Israel. What better way to establish himself? What better way to ensure the blessings of God upon Jerusalem and upon his nation, upon his rulership as its new king, than to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to its rightful place. David had great plans for the Ark. David knew what it was like to be led by the Spirit. And David, I'm sure, was very uh, aware of the blessings that came along with housing the Ark of the Covenant. And so, Many years ago, it had been robbed from the Israelite people. Back when Saul was still king, there wasn't too much time that Israel had the Ark of the Covenant while Saul was king. The Philistines had taken away, but after seven months of moving it from Philistine village to Philistine village, they had finally had enough of the ark being under their control because every place that they put the ark, it broke out with a plague. Every city uh, that was operated under Philistine jurisdiction as it began to house this newfound fame of, ha of having the ark of the covenant that once belonged to the Israelite people, they very quickly realized that along with it came plagues, came difficult things, and they finally had had it up to here with housing it and they decided that they were going to get rid of it and so they gave it back 
They gave it back to the people of Israel. God's presence, let me say this, in the right place, in a place where it is respected, God's presence in a place where the people love it and want it and want to obey it and hear its voice as it speaks will always bring about blessings. But God's presence in a place where it will be disobeyed and disrespected as the Philistines did, they didn't understand what it was that they had, will bring curses upon that place. Amen. That's why I'm so thankful today that I've been blood washed, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There's not a part of the Bible that I I don't believe in for he is the way and he is the truth and he is the life and I want his spirit that dwells in me to bring, bring blessings and not cursings so the ark made its way to a town in the Israelite nation called Kerjath Jerem which was in the tribe of Benjamin to a man's house by the name of Abinadab now, if you look up the history of Abinadab, you'll very quickly realize that Abinadab was actually one of Saul's sons. Now, even though the Bible calls it the house of Abinadab, at this particular time, Abinadab was no longer alive because he died on the battlefield along with his father Saul and his other brothers, just as Samuel said that they would. He died alongside of his father. But this house still belonged to his family. Even though Abinadab and Saul were dead, it was still in the family line. It was still lived in by Saul's grandsons and Abinadab's sons who were, by the way, named Ahio and Uzzah. So it was actually Saul's grandsons that took the cart and were driving the cart. One led the way probably to make sure that there were no logs or stones or ruts in the way to guide the cart. And Uzzah drove the team of oxen as it was to make its way back to Jerusalem. This was no ordinary day. This was going to be an epic event. This was a time where everybody was going to rejoice. The whole nation of Israel, but especially the people of Jerusalem. They were going to applaud David. They were going to sing his praises. It was going to be a parade like no other. And who doesn't like a parade? Coming from a small town like I grew up in, there are very few things that draw everybody back together. I've not gone back to several of my class reunions, but there is one thing that I always try to go to and very rarely ever get to make. Because it brings everybody that still lives in the town that I grew up in and people that have moved away back together, and that is the Mardi Gras parade. Now, it's just a simple little small town parade. All the high school bands come out. But we like to gather together to see people that we maybe haven't seen in years and years and years. It's just a time of festivities. I mean, where else can you walk down the road and get a, a chocolate-covered corn dog or a fried, uh, fried Milky Way or Snickers sandwich and fried Oreos all in the same row? I mean, you can have 10,000 calories by the time you walk two blocks. And then when, right before you go into a total sugar coma, you can sit down alongside the road and wait for the parade to begin here they come all dressed up in their best the bands from all around the area are playing their music and little kids are going by on floats and throwing out candy and all the people that are lined up alongside the roads are running out into the street seeing who can get the most candy to take home like they haven't gotten enough already from going out trick-or-treating they gotta have just a little bit more and it's just a great time of getting together it's a celebration you know and I don't really uh, care much about the, the Halloween part of things but I do enjoy seeing people and that is one place that you can go and see uh, people that you haven't seen a long time it's just a great time people come out and celebrate and that's what David was getting ready to do here 30,000 chosen men of Israel. That's some parade, friend. That's no small thing to get 30,000 chosen men together. And he gathers together the band. David knew what it meant to play good music. His songs were popular. He was quite the popular musician 
quite the popular singer. He sang before the king himself, and now he was king. And so he gets out all the psalteries and the cymbals and the harps and, and, and all the kinds of music. And the music is playing and the pomp and the circumstance is going forward. And the ark is placed upon what they call a new cart. They didn't just throw it on Farmer John's old raggedy cart that he'd brought out of the field that he'd been baling hay with the day before. No, they put the ark of the covenant on a brand spanking new ark. Everything seemed to be going fine. Everything was going David's way. People were rejoicing. Sacrifices were being made. The music was playing. We are on our way to get the spirit of God back to its rightful place. I'm going to be able to go by and see it every day. I'm going to be able to, to build a place for it to dwell. It's going to be right in the heart of the city. It's going to bring blessings when all of a sudden something happened that changed everything. The Bible says that Ohio, Saul's grandson, is out front leading the way. And Uzzah is up on the cart. He's driving the team of oxen. And he has the Ark of the Covenant setting right behind him as they are making their way. Now, we don't know if Ohio missed seeing a rock in the road or missed some obstruction or maybe there was a rut that he missed. Maybe, maybe Uzzah, maybe it was Uzzah's fault. Maybe he gave, Ohio gave Uzzah the instructions to go left, to veer left just a little bit and Uzzah missed the instructions and, and hit whatever it was. But for whatever reason, the Bible tells us that the oxen stumbled. And when the oxen stumbled, the cart began to shake. And when the cart began to shake, Uzzah, out of protection for the Ark of the Covenant, reaches back and he steadies the Ark to make sure it doesn't bounce out or fall over or even get jarred if he can help it. This is the part that's always bothered me. This is the part that makes me scratch my head. I know that God is a God of mercy. And so it doesn't seem to make sense on the surface why God would bring such a harsh judgment down on this man who was simply trying to stabilize an unstable thing. There has to be a reason, right? Why was God so touchy, so touchy about this man reaching back and touching the ark? Why was he angered so much that he killed him on the spot? Now, that's anger. I've been angry before, but I don't think I've ever been to the point where I, I was ready to just ask, take somebody's life. But it angered and incensed God in such a way that he smote Uzzah right there on the road. David had just wanted the ark to be front and center in Israel's capital city. He was trying to do a good thing. But now everything, the celebration, the pomp, and the circumstance, everything's shut down. Have you ever given one of your children, those of you that are parents, specific instruction and have them ignore it? No, I didn't think so. My kids were perfect. No, they weren't. We just taught on lying on Wednesday night, and now here I am. Telling a falsehood. Sure we have, because why? Children like to disobey. I uh, have a story that I want to relate to you that happened back when I was about 15 years old. My dad and I were out in the shop, and we had this neighborhood kid. This came to mind because one of my coworkers at FedEx made a delivery, and he came back the next day. He said, I met one of your old neighbors. He told me who it was, and I said, oh, yeah. I said, yeah, we grew up a couple houses down from each other. I said, he was kind of new to the neighborhood. They, I grew up there all my life, and uh, he was kind of the new kid on the block type of thing, and he was always uh, after me to let give him a ride on my motorcycle. I had a motorcycle, but 
Uh, but I didn't like giving people rides on it. I like to just tear off. My dad was constantly telling me, you know, hey, you be careful on that thing, and don't you go too fast, and I, I want you this and that. And I'm like, yeah, Dad, okay, and then pff, pedal to the metal. I mean, as fast as that thing go, I'd tear out of the, 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 the yard, and down the road I'd go and take off and find some hill to try to climb or some whoop-de-doos to, you know, ramp over. I was always out. I never went slow, never. I never obeyed my dad when it came to that stuff. And this neighborhood boy came over, and uh, me and my dad were out in the shop in the back of our house working on something, and I was getting ready to take off on the motorcycle. And the kid asked me in front of my father, you know, when are you going to give me that motorcycle ride? And I was like, ah, oh, maybe some other time. And my dad was like, give him the motorcycle ride. You know, I was trapped. I had to listen to my dad. And so I said, all right, I'll give you the motorcycle ride, and hopped on that thing. And it, this motorcycle I had had been given to us by by. Uh, uh, a family member that had passed away, and uh, his mother didn't want it anymore and said, if you'll come get it, you can just have it. And it's not the kind of motorcycle you might be thinking of. It wasn't like an XR, you know, 125 or uh, any kind of the CR80s member, the CR250s that were big back in the day, this two-cycle uh, racing motorbikes. No, this was an old Triumph 200, and it looked like it was straight off of something you'd find if you ever watched the Hogan's Heroes. It looked like it was straight out of World War One. I. I mean, it, matte black finish, gray, gray long seat on it, and just an old thing, but it was fun. I mean, it'd get up and move, and so, so uh, that was my motorcycle, you know. Beggars can't be choosers. I didn't have to pay anything for it. I didn't have anything else, so that was my motorcycle, and I, I was going to have fun with that thing. And I put Troy on the back of, uh, uh, of that motorcycle, and the way we went, went down the hill, uh, along across the little bridge behind our house that connected uh, the two lands. We had a, a lake, a small pond actually, that uh, was just off to uh, the backyard of our house. And the, the, we went over that and hit this little blacktop road that a few houses were on that led around to the main highway out where all the big traffic's out, 154, just right not too far from Red Hawk Golf Course. Uh, it just, uh, the lake was right across the street, and so... We took off, and Dad told me, he said, now, I want you to take it easy, take it slow. I'm like, oh, sure, Dad. And I got down that hill and never looked back, man. I pedaled the metal. Just, I thought, I didn't want to give this kid a ride anyway. You know, Dad's making me give the two guys on a motorcycle. That just don't fly in my book. I don't know. I, I, I had an elderly man uh, that came and showed me his motorcycle one time, and he begged me to ride on the back of his motorcycle. And I come up with 10,000 excuses why I couldn't let him give me a ride. I ain't riding on the back of another man's motorcycle. It just ain't happening. <laughs> Make me real nervous, he said. Put your hands right around my waist. No, sir. I'll take my chances. I didn't want to give the kid a ride anyway, and so I was a little bit upset with my dad, a little bit upset that I'd been kind of coerced into giving him a ride, and, and I took off, and man, I was like, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to make this kid wish he had never asked me for a ride. And I hit that first, second, third, fourth gear as fast as I could go down that about a quarter mile road, and I got up maybe 45, 50 mile an hour on a road that I should have been doing 20 mile an hour on, and I hit a little bump, and when I hit the bump, for the first time ever since I'd ever owned that motorcycle, something happened. I hit the bump hard enough that my foot came up off the foot pedal, and one of the old foot pedals flopped straight up and didn't flop back down. It flopped up and got stuck. And what I didn't realize was on, on that old motorcycle, when that peg was up, you couldn't push down on the brakes. Well, now this changes the story entirely. <laughs> now it's not just him that's scared. Now I'm scared because I see the main highway right ahead of me and we're going faster than I can go and get stopped just using the front brake and I'm kicking that peg and trying to get it down and I'm trying to get that motorcycle slowed down and I'm seeing these cars fly down 154 and here I go and I just finally close my eyes and zip right between two cars running 55 mile an hour down the road. We went with a neighborhood kid on the back of that motorcycle. Obviously I survived. You don't see the neighborhood kid, so, but he survived too. About gave him a heart attack. And we just barely got stopped because on the other side of the highway, it dips down and goes right towards the lake that you see. You, a lot of you know the lake I'm talking about. I just about, I just about killed us. 
But the only thing I could think about was I sure hope dad wasn't watching. Because I thought this would be a great story to tell everybody but dad. I turned that thing around and drove us back 15 mile an hour all the way back home. Both of us wiping our foreheads of sweat. I got up to where dad was at. Oh, yeah, he saw. He about had a heart attack. He thought he was watching his son get killed and along with the neighborhood boy. He, he thought we were both going to die that day. You see, I, I had gotten away with disobedience for so long that I didn't even pay attention to the instructions of my father anymore. But you can get away with dis disobedience only so long. You can get, I got away with disobedience until I didn't. Until about cost me my life and the life of a friend. Until it could have been a tragic story at the end of the day. You see, I tell you that to, to finish the rest of this story about what's taking place here. Because Uzzah had grown up in a house where his grandfather had been the king. But he had watched as his grandfather had walked away from God. He, he maybe heard the stories about how King Saul used to be a great man. About how he used to listen to the man of God in his life. But the grandfather that he knew was a man that had gone wayward. It was a man that had sought counsel from a witch instead of the man of God. It was a man that had gone off and done things his own way. Until it finally cost him not only his grandfather's life, but Usa's father's own life had, had uh, been uh, snuffed out right there at the same place that his grandfather had died. And now he was living in the house where the Spirit of God dwelt. I don't know what caused him to become so casual about things, but there is a great danger in treating the Spirit of God lightly. There is a great danger when the church begins to carry the weight of God and look at it as a burdensome thing. There is a danger when we as children of God don't want to feel the weight of the Spirit of God anymore. And so we decide we can get it where it needs to go, but we don't have to feel the weight of the burden of carrying it anymore. Because you see, it was never meant to be carried on a cart. It was never meant to be hauled around by a team of oxen like produce going off to the market. No, the, the Ark of the Covenant in God's mind was to be carried by four men. One each on each corner with a pole that was rung through the that was put through the rings of the ark of the covenant and those four men were to carry the ark they were to feel its weight and it could not have been a light thing the ark had to have some weight to it but God never told a single one of them that they had to carry it by themselves there was always a team there was always somebody on every corner because God wants us to feel the weight of carrying his spirit we are not meant to carry his spirit without feeling a burden didn't matter how nice or how new the cart was the ark was never intended or built to be carried by any other means than by men it was intended for man to shoulder the burden of the Spirit. It was intended for man to know what it felt like to carry and to walk while under the weight of the place that God dwelt, that God spoke from, that God sent blessings from. We cannot afford to have a relationship with God that doesn't have any weight to it that doesn't have any responsibility with it 
There's so many churches, so many places, so many mindsets, so many people that they want to serve God. They want the blessings of God. They want the spirit of God to to be in their home. They want it brought into their home, but they're not willing to carry it them there, get it there themselves. No, they want some other form, some other fashion, some other means to get the spirit into their home. Well, it just won't work that way, my friend. If the spirit of God is going to be in your home, you're going to have to feel the way that comes with carrying the burden that goes along with the spirit of God that dwells in the ark. I'm not saying it doesn't sometimes get heavy. It gets heavy. I know I'm not the only one that sat in a prayer closet, knelt down on my knees and began to cry tears for people that are lost. I know I'm not the only one here that has loved ones that have walked away from God. I know I'm not the only one here that has, that, that, that has people in their life that need Jesus Christ. I'm not the only one that carries the burden. I do understand how heavy it feels sometimes to shoulder the weight to feel the responsibility. And there have been times when I have gotten so weary and it's felt so heavy that I've just set it aside for a while. I'm done. I'm done praying for them. I can't deal with it any longer. They're going to do whatever they want to do. And I just set the cart. I set the spirit for that. I set the burden and the weight on the cart someplace. And I say, somebody else carry this burden for a while. But you see, it's not very long before I have to go back over to the cart and say, I got to carry this again. I can't stop praying for them. I got to keep reaching out for them. I've got to feel the weight and the responsibility because if I don't carry the the weight if I don't feel the weight if I don't feel the responsibility then the spirit will never make it to its destination when our music come today there's no such thing as a lightweight gospel the message is ours to carry There's no such thing as a cross that isn't heavy. Jesus was our perfect example. Beaten and battered. You would have thought that would have been enough, but no. They made him carry the weight of the cross, and he did so up until his body physically collapsed under its weight, and they hung him upon the cross that he was carrying. What would have happened if no one else would have picked up where Jesus physically could not carry on? Somebody else picked up that cross and they carried it when he could not carry it on his own. And it took him to a place on a hill And they nailed his hands and his feet and they placed him up in the air for all the world to see. I want you to understand today that if the cross is seeming too heavy for you to carry, This church is a place that will help you carry that cross. Because if that cross doesn't make it to its destination, there's never going to be any salvation. The crucifixion would have never taken place, and as tragic as it was, it was necessary that it took place. It was the perfect will, it was the perfect design, the perfect plan. Because for the first time in the history of the world, they had a spotless lamb who could take away the sins of the world for all humanity.
the problem with the ark being in the cart was it was disobedient to the way it was supposed to travel according to God's plan and God's design had those men been carrying that ark it would have been a different story Uzzah still would have went on to celebrate it would have been a happy day it would have been a festive time but Uzzah got a little too casual a little too familiar with God's spirit and what seemed like caution was actually the fulfillment of their disobedience to the way they were treating the Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't supposed to travel that way. God help us if we ever get to the place where we're happy with a couple of songs and a three-point sermon but we don't feel the burden to pray with anybody that comes down to an altar. God help us if we become a church where we run thousands and we just herd them through, collect the tithes and the offerings and build bigger buildings and house more people. But we're not willing to fast and pray. We're not willing to sacrifice we're not willing to shoulder the burden that comes with the spirit because in the moment we refuse to carry the burden is the moment that the spirit of the Lord stops visiting his house There have been times where the burden just seems too heavy. The weight seems to be too much. <laughs> These past few months, it's been difficult. We've worked hard to keep things going. Diligently, we've got a crack staff here. I don't know what I'd do without the great people of this church. And so many of you have been so faithful and You've just made it better, and that's my point. The burden feels lighter when you come alongside and pick up your corner. Your corner, your responsibility of making sure that the Spirit gets where it's supposed to go. But I must admit, there are times in the past few weeks where it's been difficult. I said, God, how? we can't even open the altar up right now. We have church. We have good services. Give a little time for folks to kneel down and pray. And we have it. But I said, that's not like, we need more, God. We need more. What we? And God just said, just, just wait on me. Just this, this is a season. This is a season. I'm like, yeah, it's a season I'm not enjoying very much. then something happens <laughs> that just changes everything. I wanted to preach behind this pulpit so bad today. I was willing to preach in severe pain. I was willing to set if I had to do whatever I could because I feel like God is trying to reach us and trying to tell us don't be weary in well-doing for if you sow if you sow if you just keep on sowing this seed if you just keep on showing up if you just keep on worshiping from the bottom of your heart if you keep on reaching out to that loved one that that needs to know me if you keep on just doing what I've called you to do you'll reap you'll reap the rewards
Last night I was sitting around. My phone alerted me to a text message, and I began to scroll through. I was like, wow, this is, this is a long text message. I didn't recognize the number because I don't have this person in my phone, but it was a person that had attended our church for just a couple of months years ago. Years ago, they moved away, moving away, their life's falling apart. They readily admit it. They've lost their children, lost their spouse, lost, lost their job. They've lost so much. Everything just a shambles. They got strung out on, on drugs. And a few weeks ago, got a phone call on the other end of that line was this person. I knew I was walking on turbulent waters here. She was at the point of giving up and I was fearful that she might even end her own life. I was very nervous for her sake. So I tried to speak as kindly and as loving as I could, as gently as I could, but God kept prompting me, you got to tell her, you got you got to tell her these things. I'm like, God, I don't, you know, I don't want to break her right now. He's like, it's all in the way you tell her, but you got to tell her. And I began to relate to her some things I, that, that basically were like, you, don't don't set God's spirit on a card. This is some something that I can't do for you. I'm going to pray for you. And I did pray for her over the phone. We continued to pray for her. But, but I told her, I said, you have got to shoulder this responsibility if it's ever going to be fixed. You've got to make some things right with some people. You've got to make some things right with God. And I'm not talking about just going and kneeling down at your bed and saying, lay, now I lay me down to sleep. But you need to find a church that preaches truth. Can I tell you something? That woman went off and she went back to wherever it was that she lives. It's not even in this state anymore. And she found herself a church. And she sent me that long message to tell me, it's real. It's real. I got the Holy Ghost. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. God has done an amazing work in my life. God will still reach us and his spirit will come into us the rest of her text says I know I'm a long way from being there I know I've got a long work a long work ahead of me I know that there's a lot of things that I got to change but with God's help I now feel like I can change I now feel like I've got somebody that's with me thank you for preaching to me the truth she said every time you spoke you spoke about needing the Holy Ghost thank you for telling me and setting me on the right path I now know what you're talking about because I now have that same power and I can make it but you're not going to make it by putting the responsibility upon somebody else I could have not taken the phone call I could have not talked to her hadn't seen her in years she didn't belong to this church as I know never gave a dime in tithes or offering maybe she did maybe she didn't I don't know but I could have just said you know what you're not my problem but I am my brother's keeper if you can't pray for yourself don't give up I'll, I'll pray don't throw the spirit on a cart. Don't try to have somebody else. Don't try to get it where it needs to go some other way. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the way of death. There's still, there's still a plan. There's still instruction. Jesus said, I am the way. And I am the truth and I am the life. Would you stand with me today? This word is so powerful, but it's only as powerful as the instrument that is carrying it. You can 
put the responsibility on the shelf. You can lay the Bible real pretty, not any bent pages anywhere. It can be just real, real pretty on uh, for everybody to see. And it can lay out where your company can see that you got a Bible and, and none of the gold edging is messed up. No problems with it at all. It's not hardly been broken open or whatever. But I'm telling you what, this is what your Bible needs to look like. It needs to have pages that you can just literally pull out of it. And that's my Bible case. My Bible case looks pretty good. There's what's left of my Bible. these raggedy torn pages they speak to me when I read them and they tell me I got to carry this I've got to carry this I can't have somebody else carry it for me we have got to carry this we've got to shoulder the weight we've got to carry the responsibility or given a few years the church will dry up when nobody's receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost anymore and the baptismal tank is full of dust and it's not seen any water in years it'll be because we chose to lay the word somewhere else we chose to lay the weight and the responsibility oh it's not that we didn't go through a lot of trouble we gave it the nicest newest cart we could find but that's not what God has chosen to carry him. He's chosen humanity to shoulder his spirit. You've got to feel the weight. And if you don't feel the weight, you're doing something wrong. If when you kneel down and you pray for somebody that's lost and you don't have a tear flow down your eye, pray that God give you a little bit of the burden back. If there's somebody in your life, somebody you've been working with, and they seem to be rejecting this, just keep on carrying the weight. Keep on shouldering the burden. Maybe you'll get a text message. Maybe you'll get a letter. God must have known that I needed this because he gave me an email this morning from a man that I've never met. Lives over in Indiana somewhere grandfathers pastored a Pentecostal church church he grew up in but he got away from God got all messed up life's a wreck he said I don't even know how I found your podcast but he said there's a message you preached on there he said it hit me so hard right between the eyes he said I just wanted to tell you it had its effect upon me and I plan on trying to straighten some things out. I got a lot of straightening out to do, but I got to get back to church. I emailed him back. I stayed in contact with him for a couple of weeks there, and then I didn't hear back from him until this morning. He sent me a nice email. A nice email that told me the last time he talked to his grandfather just a couple of weeks ago was the last time that he ever got to speak to his grandfather because his grandfather just passed away of COVID. He said, but the last thing I spoke to him, we stood behind his pulpit. And he said, I looked my grandfather in the eye and said, Grandpa, I'm feeling a call to preach this gospel. I'm feeling a call to, to preach this gospel message. And he said, his grandfather looked at him and said, Son, uh, you've had a calling on your life for so long. God wants to do a work with you. He said, so if you would help me, help me pray. I've got a long way to go, but I wanted you to know. I wanted you to know the impact of the ministry that comes from your church. It reached me, and even though I don't know who you are, the word works, and it didn't come back void. So I want to finish this service today and ask if you would help me pray. I'm asking for you to find an altar right now. Maybe a few of you could come up to the front, stay, stay your distance, a husband and wife, fine. Or if you want to pray right where you're at, kneel, sit down, stand, it doesn't matter. But I'm going to ask something of you today. And I want you to chew on it. 
I want you to remember it. Because what you're feeling right now may be gone tomorrow. And if that's the case, then you've just thrown what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say to you right into a cart. I want you to pray that God gives you a burden. Nothing that you can't handle, nothing that you can't bear, but I want you to be able to feel the weight and the responsibility to reach someone. Maybe some that person's in your mind right now. Maybe it's a family. Could be a co-worker, could be a spouse, a child. I don't care who it is. But would you take some time as they began to sing this song, would you just ask God to let you feel the weight of the his spirit again maybe we've gotten too comfortable so comfortable just attending church that we've forgotten what it means to actually be the church that we have a responsibility beyond just making heaven our own home we have a responsibility to reach those that are lost responsibility to transport the Spirit of God to a new destination to a different place God while I'm carrying it I'm not carrying it alone I can't carry it alone it's not meant for one man to carry the entire load God we need to find together as a church right now you help me pray would you be get real serious with God in the next few minutes as they sing would you reach out and touch him maybe you're in need of prayer if you are you're not alone maybe you're feeling weak maybe it's you that's stumbling maybe it's you that's weak in your spirit maybe it's you that's trying to find your way Not just because we want to set a, a different goal, not because we want to break a record, but because we want more people to make it to heaven. We want more people to feel the salvation. Amen. We want more people to experience the Spirit of God as it takes up residence in them. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.